So this is part nine in a 12-part series called uh, Great Awakening, Matthew style. And the whole, the whole series is based on the realization that Matthew had a personal great awakening when Jesus came up to his IRS booth and said, follow me. Bam! There was a radical transformation. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and all kinds of other gifts. In Acts chapter 2, he was among the disciples. And whereas the book of Acts focuses on mostly on Paul and his adventures, the other disciples had adventures too. The other apostles had adventures too. And we can look to Matthew's gospel to get a hint of what's going on in his ministry over the, over the approximately 40 years that he ministered in the Jerusalem area. And his whole passion was to spread the revival that Jesus had rocked his world with, and he was very successful at it. He stirred the, the, the Jewish Christians to, be outreach, to do outreach um, to other Jews as well as to the nations, the Gentile nations. So he truly had a great awakening and spread the great awakening. Matthew focuses on five different teaching discourses of the Lord Jesus Christ during his three-year ministry on the earth. He says... He has Jesus saying in the end of the the last chapter of Matthew that Jesus says to the disciples and to the apostles, go into all the world, preach the gospel to everybody, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And that phrase, everything I've commanded you, is summarized by Matthew in five teaching sections in his gospel. And we've talked about those the first one being the inner life the second one being how to evangelize how to do outreach the third one being kingdom parables and the wonders and beauties of the kingdom of heaven uh, in parable form the fourth one is how to be a how to learn to be a great disciple and the fifth one is the second coming of the lord jesus christ and i don't know what you um how much you think about the second coming of jesus christ but it figures prominently in Matthew's gospel, and Jesus, through uh, leading Matthew to write what he, what he wrote, is saying, let's make it front and center in our awareness. Jesus Christ's kingdom is very important. The kingdom of heaven has an already, but also a not yet dimension to it. And one of the wonders of the current revelation in Holy Spirit-type churches is the revelation of the kingdom of God living from heaven to earth, the unseen world being our biggest and best reality. And being seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus is a greater reality than you sitting in a chair at New Song Church today. Your higher and greater reality is where you are positioned in Jesus Christ. But there is also a not yet dimension to the kingdom. And this, Matthew 24 and 25, that last section, teaching section, emphasizes some things that Jesus wants us to do to get ready for the rapture. And I use the word rapture because it's a common word in evangelical circles. It's not actually in the Bible, but it's from a Latin word which means to be snatched away. And it's based basically on... First Thess- Thessalonians chapter 4, where 
where the Apostle Paul says, the dead in Christ will rise first and those that remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds, um, in the air, when the trumpet, shout, the trumpet sounds and the Lord shouts, we'll be caught up and we will, so we will be with the Lord forever from that, from that point on. And so that's, that's the rapture. Now, now I noticed in my observation of, um, of people and, and Christians is that most of the time discussion with regard to the rapture and with regard to end time stuff, second coming of Jesus ends up within a discussion of the sequence of things, when they're going to happen, how they're going to happen, whether or not there's going to be a tribulation, a seven-year tribulation or not. And I, I have a position on that, and, and I'm going to tell you what that position is. Um, but I hope that you'll forgive me if it's not yours. <laughs> and ask yourself like the Bereans. The Bereans with Paul search the scriptures to see if these things are true. And my my goal uh, today is not to try to persuade you to my position, but I am um, very much aware that uh, there are different positions, and I know that I love, I love what Jerry Cook uh, wrote when he said that we, um, if someone just if someone does happen to get it right, God will probably change it so they won't have all of eternity to gloat about it. And I suspect that every single one of us is going to have some nuance of the events that happened in the process of transitioning from this life to the next when Jesus, when we hear that shout and the Lord descends and we go flying up to heaven to be with him, that there's going to be some things that we have right, but I suspect that there'll be some things that aren't exactly like we thought they were going to be. And uh, I don't think we'll be disappointed that they turn out the way they are, <laughs> but uh, they may be a little bit different than what we prepared for. I know that when I, when I came to Christ as a 16-year-old, I had a very early, early obsession, obsession with the rapture, with the second coming of Jesus. I had a 1961 Volkswagen, and I had a bumper sticker that said, in case of rapture, driver, driver will disappear. <laughs> yeah. And I had a friend who lived in Sitka, Alaska, Ivan, and uh, he came to Christ about the same time I did, but then he moved, and we wrote back and forth uh, short epistles to each other, and we always ended up the last phrase, it could be today. Jesus could come back today. I remember walking, going on walk, prayer walks with the Lord, and I actually still do this, if you want to know the truth. I have done this over the years. I'll think about the rapture. I'll think about being snatched away, flying up into heaven, the the exhilarating joy of that, uh, better than flying along on a motorcycle or parasailing or anything like that, where where I I would imagine it and I would actually run along the forest trail, trail and then jump and imagine myself keeping going up, 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 up. And wow, it just thrilled my heart. And I, truth is, I still do that from time to time. If you can imagine that, please try not to. But uh, yeah. So I want to talk with you about getting ready for the rapture, respecting ra- rapture readiness. Um, you notice, we'll notice in Matthew's gospel that Jesus Christ's focus Although he speaks about the signs, his focus is on ways to be ready for the rapture that have absolutely nothing to do with arguing or discussing about the sequence of, of events and the timetables. 
So no matter what your personal belief is, this message will apply to you, and I'm hoping that you'll see that it's the message that Jesus has in his teaching in Matthew's gospel in 24 and 25 of Matthew. Well, first talking point. Rapture readiness means personally listening to Jesus' end times prophetic updates. Matthew 24, verse 3. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Now, what I want you to notice is that Jesus doesn't rebuke them for wanting to know what the signs are. And there's that within a 16-year-old who just came to Christ or a 67-year-old who is still very interested in the subject. What are the signs, Lord? And I notice that Jesus very, very happily answers their prayer and tells them several things that they can expect to happen before he comes back. Signs of his coming back. What are they? You know, you know they're, just as a reminder, they're wars, rumors of wars, famines, and pestilences. The, there's false messiahs. There's false teachers. There's earthquakes. Aren't there? There's, there the, the sun is turned dark. The, the moon is turned dark. The heavens are shaken. The love of most will grow cold. There are servants of God that end up beating each other up emotionally, if not in real life. Uh, it talks about that. And um, the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth. So these are some of the signs that Jesus happily shares with them Uh, when they ask him the question, so what are some of the signs? And I want to suggest to you that when you look at Matthew chapter 24 and 25, a lot of those signs that he gives the disciples can find fulfillment in the time surrounding the destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. And so what this speaks to me about is that Jesus Christ personally it's like he takes them by the shoulders and looks them in the eye and says, these are the signs, dear apostles. But then 40 years later, he's take, Jesus himself is taking the church that Matthew is serving and saying, and these are the signs, dear church, in A.D. 69, A.D. 70. These are going to happen. And you see, much of the signs that Jesus says are all mixed up with the... the, um, the what happens in Jerusalem with the Romans' army invading? You read Josephus, and it just want to make, you want, makes you want to cry. Uh, the, the secular or the, the Jewish historian Josephus describes the bloodbath in Jerusalem when the Romans hit. And um, so it's pertinent and, and helpful to them in their life. It's a now word for them in A.D. 70 before. And a lot, of, uh, a lot of scholars will say that all of Matthew 24 and 25, except um, the actual coming of the Lord, is, has already been fulfilled. And a lot of scholars will say, no, none of it's been fulfilled. It's all for the year 2022. 
And what I want to suggest to you, friends, is that every single generation better full-on hear Jesus Christ sharing and embracing the signs of his coming because they are designed to trigger the excitement that it could be just around the corner. That's what it's designed for to do. And I don't know how you, you take the signs of the times, but I want to, I want to suggest to you that it would be, be a really good idea for us all in our own personal relationship with Jesus to, um, when we hear something in the news or read some news blog, and there is the thought, wow, I wonder if this is part of, the end, part of a sign of the end times, that we say, yes. These are some of the birth, the labor pains of a, the not yet of the kingdom being birthed into our reality, into our physical reality. This is another birth sign, a birth pain that's birthing the reality of the, the coming kingdom. And, um, and, and to see that that's what God's design is for excuse me, for the different signs. Okay? I want to suggest to you that we not get stuck on speculation about sequence of signs, but move beyond the signs to other areas of concern that Jesus discusses uh, to get us rapture ready. Uh, I can't help but think, though, about the years that the first few years when I was so obsessed with Bible prophecy. I mean, if you got the 1973 yearbook out from Battleground High School, you'd see what my, my statement is in the, as a senior. I am interested in Bible prophecy. Jesus is coming. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I even remember in a high school psychology class with Mr. Winchell, every Friday he'd, he'd say he would announce a subject for Monday discussion for a uh, for senior psychology class. And I remember in, with fear and trepidation raising my hand one, one Friday morning and saying, on Monday, can we discuss the second coming of Jesus Christ? And he said, why not? And on that Monday, he said, Dan, it's all yours. <laughs> and I had 30 seniors in high school, and I had never experienced the, all I knew was, I, knew was I was scared. That's all I knew. But what I discovered was, for the first time, I, I, th- I believe that was the first time I ever talked to a group of, uh, a whole group of pre-believers in one, in one setting. And, and the Holy Spirit came into the room. And there was all the, we spent the whole time, the whole period, I feel, fielded questions about Jesus and about the gospel. And it's very powerful. And several of the, of the guys that were in that class, I think of two particularly that were in that class, one of them walked up to me later and said, uh, and in, you know, a few days later and said, Mickelson, do you get high from reading the Bible? <laughs> you know? And he, he, he came to Christ and is also, you know, pastoring a church right now, still over all these years. And another, another guy, he died in his 30s, but he, um, he came to Christ, and he was known as the, he was the drug um, salesman of the high school. 
and and uh, but he came up and talked very respectfully. He said, I appreciate you sharing what you shared. That was really interesting to me. I, and I appreciate your courage in sharing it. The Spirit of God has ways of talking when we talk. If we'll just talk. <laughs> anyway, obsessed with the second coming. And I still really like the subject very, very much. So here's a new sandwich shop. It's about half a block from my house. Coming soon. And you know, there's about, what, one, two, three, four, five signs? Now there's, I walked by there this morning, there's eight signs. So there's, the signs keep coming. <laughs> Am I preoccupied with the signs? Heck no. I can't wait to get the pulled pork sandwich. <laughs> the signs are tools for the event. Someone say amen. amen. Let's listen Here's, what Je- Here's some things that Jesus says about his second coming. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now listen to this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things, know that it is near at the door. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. I want to suggest to you that there's nothing more that has to happen for the generation that Jesus was talking to. There's nothing more that has to happen before Christ comes back. And I think that if that was true for them, there's nothing more that has to happen as a sign before Jesus Christ comes back. One of the things that we've got that I want to invite us to do is not to be surprised, not to be among those who are shocked when he comes. I mean, it's okay to be startled, but just kind of roll with it, okay? (laughs) What else can you do? Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Paul reinforces Matthew in 1 Corinthians. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. Hallelujah. My second talking point is rapture readiness means personally applying Jesus' end times prophecy updates. A lot of the signs that Jesus gives we have no control over except to, to except our attitude towards them isn't to be, oh, this world is so hard. Listen, I do that. I, I do mourn. Because of how hard the world and tough people have pain and stuff in the world. I was telling Brenda, I just, yesterday I was thinking, I hate war. I hate that my, my Davids and my Johns, my son John, my David, my boy, there are people that lose their boys in war. Over, there's, it's like by the millions over history. It just shouldn't be happening. 
And um, forgot where I was going with that, but rapture readiness means personally applying his end times prophecy updates. Here's the, here's nevertheless those thoughts, those bothersome, annoying upsetnesses with the political situation, the the, the crazy stuff in econ in the economy. We can do what we can to try to improve and change by voting and by prayer, but we can also know, and we shouldn't we shouldn't just default and say we're not going to try to improve things. We're designed by God to be salt and to be light and to be leaven in the culture. But we can also say this is part of the labor pains that are birthing in a time when there will never be any more pain, death, sorrow, mourning, and Jesus Christ himself will wipe away every one of my tears. Hallelujah. Do what you can. Watch out for false teachers. That's something we can do. We can handle persecution well. We cannot be among those that love, um, our love grows cold. We'll not beat up with our words, our fellow servants. We can do what we can in our generation to get the gospel to the nations. Apply it third sentence I want to, want to read and talk around for just a few moments. Rapture readiness means conscientiously attending to the presence, power, and person of the Holy Spirit. He's not an addendum. He's not just an also-ran. He's not an add-on. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the Lord. L, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He is the third person of the Trinity. And he is the, 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 he's symbolized by oil, in, uh, in Matthew 25. Think of that phrase, that song, give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, burning, burning. Matthew 25, 1, the kingdom of heaven shall be like likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took the lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. If there's anything that Jesus is saying by this parable, it's we, we must be among those. Because, you know, this, in our theology, we could easily say, there's only one thing you have to do to get ready for the rapture, and that's get born again. But the disciples asked Jesus, what, what are the signs and what, how can we get ready? And Jesus doesn't just say, make sure you're born again and then relax. He's, these, he's talking all this stuff to his disciples. 
So there are things that disciples can do, like you and me, to be ready. And one of them is to, is to welcome the work of the Holy Spirit, convicting us, wooing us. The Holy Spirit comes with a desire. His primary passion towards you is communion. Paul says, may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you, the fellowship. He wants to share life with you. He wants to be, your, he wants to be along with Jesus and the Father, your best friend. He wants you to know he's with you always, to comfort, to strengthen, to guide, to give, to give, um, to fill your lamp so you can see, you can navigate your life because you can see with the light that the Holy Spirit burning within you gives to your, to your future. So the Holy Spirit is not a, a negotiable option for neo-Pentecostals or people that are interested in that kind of thing. The Holy Spirit is a must. And it was these, these five virgins that did not have the oil, they had the saddest thing happen. They were shut out. Three of the, three of the saddest words in all the New Testament. The door was, well, that's more than three words, isn't it? <laughs> well, the door was shut. That door was shut. Four words. The door was shut. And that door will never open again for them. I'm not saying that you, you have to be a Pentecostal to be saved. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying that, the, that for a disciple to be ready, the call of God is for us to be, have the, uh, the, the gifts, the fruits, the convictions, the, the emotions of the Holy Spirit, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, actively working in our lives, our families, and, and to call on God for a full expression and flourishing of the Holy Spirit in the New Song culture, family. Four, rapture readiness means a healthy concern about the horrible alternative to rapture readiness. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And shut. The door was shut. <laughs> Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I, I do not know you. It's sobering. But it's something that's part and parcel. What it means to be ready is to let the Holy Spirit brings soberness, sobriety to us without being grim. We do avoid it, but be, just be grateful we do. Finally, rapture readiness means the joy of a life of continually serving others in the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Jesus doesn't tell us to argue and to emphasize the sequence of events related to his second coming, rapture, tribulation. He doesn't ever call us to have any arguments about that. His main call repeatedly is the word watch. 
Be ready. That's way more important. I'm not saying don't discuss. I'm just saying let's not make it a priority. Watch, therefore, for you, for you know neither the day or the hour which Son of Man is coming. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants. Notice, servants. And delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. Then, right after this little cameo, the story, Jesus morphs into a teaching about the sheep and the goats and saying that he's going to divide the nations, the sheep and the goats. And, and it's a strange thing. He doesn't base it on whether or not they prayed the sinner's prayer. He risks us making the mistake of salvation by works. He risks that because he is so confident that those that are filled with the Spirit and are going after the Spirit and going after the Father and the Son with all their hearts will not be passively just waiting around for Jesus to come back. But they will be so restlessly stirred by the Holy Spirit that they will embrace servanthood. The Father, yes, Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. And we know that we're not orphans, we're sons, we're daughters. God, there's, there's safety and security with that. But out of that position of friendship, out of that position of sonship and daughter. There is a there is a such a open a stirring of the Holy Spirit when we open ourselves up to Him that we are moved to do stuff. The personality of Jesus through the Holy Spirit stirs our personalities to want to do stuff like Amy and Corey serving pain of children in um, in foster care, and Greg and Brittany as well, and others do that. And each one of us have a different expression. I mean, welcome back Aaron from, from, give Aaron a hand. He's back with us for this next season. Jesus through him in recent years has, has helped people escape from North Korea into South Korea and be totally liberated. This is Jesus' personality through Aaron's personality. But Jesus says sheep and goats. He actually says that um, if you... Uh, he said, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was, I was a stranger, you let me in. I was sick, and you, and you, and you helped me. I was in prison, you, and you were there to, to bless me, and, and so on. You could, you could easily mistake, okay, it's really about works. And if you've done it under the least of these, you've done it to me. By the way, if you haven't done any of these things, then depart from me. I never knew you. I mean, you can easily say, okay, what's that list again? <laughs> you know, let's get after that. But he is, it's not about the works. It's about he is so confident that there will be a, a predicate to the subject. The subject being, hooray, I am saved. I'm born again. The predicate being, whoa, the Spirit is stirring me to, do, to serve through my personality ways that really sincerely help people. And it's so much, this fact of rapture readiness means the joy of continually serving others in the anointing of the Spirit. Let's stand up.
Serving is really fun, though, too, isn't it? Isn't it satisfying? Isn't, isn't serving others way more satisfying than living for ourselves? You ever had a, a season of self-indulgent meism? How'd that go for you? Yeah, you know, personal Ecclesiastes, Song of Sol- uh, uh, Solomon, Ecclesiastes. It's just like nothing's really satisfying, man. What satisfies is serving, and yet that is also what we're called to do for rapture readiness. I don't think I ever got around to just telling you that my own personal position is that whereas in my early days of my, my journey with Christ, I was totally into Hal Lindsey and the whole um, premillennial um, eschatology, end times stuff that's outlined by you know rapture, seven years of tribulation, second coming, uh, millennium, and then um, then the, Jesus wrapping it up. I am after do, doing some years ago some extensive study in the area. I've actually changed my own personal view to um, believe that when He comes back, He wraps it up all at once. And I know that in, the, in Southern Oregon, that's not the most popular view. So I'm saying that with a little bit of anxiety right now. But I actually believe that it would be dishonest for me to tell you differently. In our own journey, God is guiding each of us um, with the revelation that he is, he is giving us. But I think that overall, Jesus' teaching about the, the rapture, um, flying up to be with him, that and preparing for it, it stands for whatever position we hold in, in what sequence things happen and how it will all um, how, how it will all work out. So if I believe different from you, please hear the words of Jesus and try to hear what Jesus is saying about it. Forgive me for not having the revelation that you do. Tongue in cheek. And like Connor's t-shirt that he's wearing out there with the kids' ministries this morning. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. <laughs> We're going to have a worship song right now. But I feel like I want to give uh, some words of knowledge for either people here or people joining us on our YouTube channel or live stream or watching on channel 11. These could be for any of us. I want you to receive a touch of God, a healing touch from God, even as I'm giving these words, because I felt this morning God highlighting these words. And I, I am, we as a church are believing God with you for breakthrough in these areas. Our, our pastoral care team is going to be coming up here um, in the front for those here. And if these apply to you or any, you want a miracle prayer for anything else in your life, come on up um, and receive blessing, the blessing of these words. But I believe that even as I'm releasing these words, the healing is going to hit you. I am expecting that, anticipating that. Here's what they are. A brain tumor. Be healed of the brain tumor right now. Melanoma skin cancer. Be healed of that melanoma skin cancer right now. Lingering COVID-19 symptoms, be healed right now. A mistake that you feel has ruined your life. It's a lie, it hasn't. Watch and see the salvation of God. God's healing that, those circumstances right now.
He's bringing it forth. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, invite discussion with me or with someone here at the altar or the friend that brought you today. Get right with Jesus. Be ready for the rapture. And as a disciple, let's be ready for the rapture. Put your hands on your heart. I bless rapture readiness. <laughs> Hallelujah. I felt a surge of the spirit when I said that. Respect, rapture, readiness. In Jesus' name. Let's worship Jesus before we, we leave today. Here we go. Jesus. Thank you, Margie, for twisting my arm to learn this song. <laughs> my hope is built on nothing less. Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame.
Today. Let's clap like it's going to happen today. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We love your appearing. We love your appearing. We love your appearing. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. We love you. God loves you. Have a great week. Could be today. Amen. Come on up if you'd like prayer for something. We have a team coming up.